We live in a world that is forever changing, from one day to the next. Now add to that an inner world that is forever at odds with itself. How does one accomplish anything when the only thing that is certain is uncertainty? Welcome to the Lifting with Bipolar podcast, the show designed to be an educational safe haven offering real-world solutions for real-world people. My name is Jonathan Sharko. Living with Bipolar 1 in today's world is a double-edged sword, but I'm here to work through it with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Alrighty, folks, welcome to another episode of the Lifting with Bipolar podcast. My name is Jonathan Sharko, and I'm excited to meet with my cross-country connection today, uh, Krista. Krista will be joining the show, and we'll kind of be talking. Uh, Krista, why don't you go ahead and take some time and introduce yourself to the audience, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure thing. Um, my name is Krista. Um, I'm from Canada. I live close to Toronto um, in a city called Mississauga. I was first diagnosed with bipolar in January of this year. Um, I was diagnosed with bipolar one. Big, big diagnosis, a uh, big, big surprise. Uh, I think it is for most of us. Um, I also do a podcast myself um, and you can find me, I guess, on um, Instagram at MU by Krista, um, where I just share my life and my experiences with bipolar. Um, I am a huge yoga enthusiast. Um, I do hot yoga probably maybe twice per week, but I do yoga every single day and every and every week. Um, I love fitness. Um, I love animals. I love nature, long walks on the beach, um, you name it. Um, but that's a little bit about me. Yeah, nice. No, we definitely have some similar uh, similar interests there. Um, I'm, I've been diagnosed for bipolar for a couple of years now. How has it been so far? Maybe this, you said January, 2023, how has, uh, how has the past six months kind of gone? I've, I've really enjoyed your episodes. I think it's very, uh, good that you're kind of putting those episodes, the topics you pick about like self-esteem, self-discovery, and just kind of finding your identity with bipolar. So maybe we can just touch on that. How is, how's it gone the first six months, uh, this, this, this early road right now that you're kind of walking down? Honestly, it's, it's been a climb. It's been, it's definitely mm-hmm. been a climb. When I first, um, so I was in the hospital for about a month and a week. Um, when I first got out of the hospital, I went into a hospice. So like it's a place called Harbor Light in Toronto. Um, it's like a halfway house for people with mental illness, like kind of um, trying to get people back into living on their own. But the thing was, I wasn't supposed to be there. Um, the reason why I was put there is because my um, my mom was was afraid of me. She didn't. I'm from a Caribbean culture, and mental mm-hmm. illness is something that's a little bit of a gray area. They don't really know a lot about it, and it's it's scary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I was put there for a little bit. It was like a house of horrors. Um, I was very depressed. Um, I uh, I just wanted to come home. I, I usually live yeah. by myself, but I've been living with my parents just for a bit while I get back on my feet and everything. And um, it was it was just really tough every single day being there. There were a lot of people that were there with like drug induced psychosis and uh, drug induced um, um, mental illnesses and some people that weren't very good people that, you know, you didn't really want to be around. But um, yeah, so after, I guess, getting out of Harbor Light, getting out of there and coming back home, I was depressed for, I want to say like three months. I was so heavy. I was just getting used to my, my um, the lithium that I was on and all of my medications. Every day mm-hmm. I felt like just flat, like almost like my personality and who I was didn't exist anymore. Um, it was pretty awful. Um, no one tells you that, you know, when you go in and you come out, it's not like you go in and you're fixed and you come out, 
you have to stabilize. You have to, I guess, level out on your medications. And that process was really hard for me. And um, I still got a job. I was working a full-time job, um, I think, by by March. Um, so by mm-hmm. three months in, um, I would sleep every single day on my breaks because it was just like I was so exhausted. Like it was so much just getting in. It was like training. Um, so like getting in the information was just so much for me. And then I just, I just had to go to sleep um, and then go back at it. And like, if we had 15 minutes or I went to sleep and it was yeah. like, it was just, it was so strange of a, of a reality to be in. Um, mm-hmm. But by the third month um, I got another job in a job, a place that I actually like to work. Um, and I had to, you know, do training there. I got excited. I, I kind of came alive again a little bit. And then I said, you know what, I need to do some kind of fitness to keep like to keep myself or get myself going, keep myself. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to say in a weird way, like keep myself alive. And and I mean that like in the sense of like actually living. So I started to do yoga every single day. Um, mm-hmm. And that really like took my really low lows from being like really low to being higher so I could function better um but by i guess the next three months after that i was um like till now i've been like myself and um feeling more present and less heavy and my tremors have gone away and you know those kind of things nice yeah i totally can relate to and i've met other people who are like in bipolar support groups and things like that who can relate to like the medications and how they can kind of almost just make you feel like a walking zombie just kind of just like kind of moving through a little sluggish and things like that so but uh, it's, I'm really happy to hear that you kind of found yoga as a good way to kind of manage some of your bipolar symptoms. Is that uh, that's pretty true, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It. Um. I think yoga saved me. Like I did an episode, I think, called Yoga Saves My Life. And um, mm-hmm. 100% did. I think any kind of like physical fitness or anything like that is like important because it gets your brain activated. And um, as you probably know, like with us, our like when we go into depressive states, our brains impacted severely, just like when we're going into ma- uh, manic phases. So like, yeah. When, we, yeah, when we get out, get up and like do things that are opposite of our depression, it's called brain activation and it tricks our minds essentially into not, I don't say into thinking we're happy, but it makes the lows less low. Yeah. It kind of raises that bottom, that bottom threshold up a couple notches. Mm-hmm. So you're not, so you're not uh, as low before. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm really glad that these kind of these kind of activities and exercise, and I'm glad you found a form of exercise and yoga that's really kind of improved your quality of life. That's that's awesome. How did you how did you stumble across yoga? Was it something you had previous experience in before, or is it something you just picked up new? Yeah, so I actually did yoga before. I kind of did it like on and off, and then when I um, was living in my last place, I used to do it. I, I want to say like semi regularly, not as much as I do it like now. Now it's every single day, um, mm-hmm. but I like you know I you know, pop on the yoga with Adrian or whatever I would watch to do it and just like roll out the mat and like do yoga like every like, I don't know, like twice every week or something like that. But um, mm-hmm. now it's more intensive. And like, I even go to a studio as well. Um, I, I volunteer at the same studio that I go to. Um, and I just, it's like really been become like a big part of my life. Nice. Well, yeah, while we're on the topic of yoga, like how does practicing hot yoga differ from like the other forms of exercise or maybe some like relaxation techniques for yourself personally? Um, For me, like if I'm going to be completely honest, um, 
there's kind of, I guess, like, I don't want to say three prongs, but it's, it's much more involved because um, you have, you know, the heat that's going against you as well, but you're also like cleansing in that way. And like, you're sweating, you're like cleansing your pores. And I just, I'd say just cleansing your body in general and cleansing your spirit. Um, but it's also very, to me, it, it connects me a little bit more spiritually with myself, uh, which mm-hmm. is something that I kind of felt like I lost when I was first diagnosed. I just, I didn't really know who I was. And on top of that, my spirit spirituality, which was really strong beforehand, just kind of fell away and I didn't know where that was. But um, through the, and I'm going to say this and be very honest about it, but through the mm-hmm. um, sensuality that is in yoga and especially hot yoga, um, it, it's, there's nothing like it. Like it really yeah. connects you to yourself. And, and yes, I do mean like on a sensual level because it's, Mm-hmm. intimate if that makes sense um so yeah. it kind of connects you with your spirituality in that way as well um so i feel like hot yoga kind of just with i guess the its impact and with its added um handicap it kind mm-hmm. of um gets me back into feeling more like myself and um for me i've noticed it like raises my self-esteem it makes me feel better about myself um makes me feel strong um, it's a little bit, you got to be careful, especially like being on lithium because, um, mm-hmm. you know, lithium yeah. and stuff, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to stay hydrated properly, especially when you're taking that medication, at least from for my sure. understanding. For sure. For sure. Because yeah. like you're just sweating buckets while you're in there and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. But like, if you don't have enough water, like you can just go into lithium toxicity and just feel your, I guess the first sign of it is, um, muscle weakness. Yeah, okay. I think, yeah, muscle weakness, and you could just go right into that. But I've, I, I think one day it was kind of close. I want to say, mm-hmm. um, I didn't drink a lot of water. I got up and I went right to hot yoga, and it was a great class. Um, mm-hmm. And I came home and I was like, okay, mom, like let's go for a walk. And it was like 30 degrees outside. I still didn't have enough water. Came back, just like sat down in bed and like passed out for six hours because it was just like. I was so oh exhausted. Goodness. Yeah. I told mm-hmm. my psychiatrist and she's just like, uh, don't, don't do that again. So, um, hot yeah. yoga, a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, you can enjoy it. Just got to properly stay hydrated. And especially mm-hmm. for when you're taking lithium or even when you're not taking lithium, it's always good to stay hydrated when you're entering that kind of room. So, exactly. so that it sounds like this is really part of like your bipolar regimen and kind of how you handle your, uh, your moods and, and some things like that. It's good to get into a routine. It's good to have, uh, the sensuality, the connection, the intimacy, and kind of going inward when you're kind of in the, in your practice on your mat, it's just kind of you and your mat and just, yes, there may be other people in the rooms, but you're kind of just really focusing and working on your growth. So I'm really, really happy to hear you're kind of inspiring me to go kind of dabble in some hot yoga this weekend or something like that. That'd be uh, (laughs) great. And I'm sure, and I'm sure some of our listeners are kind of getting sold on that, on the benefits Mm -hmm. of that too. So uh, let's see here. Have you noticed like any triggers or like um, negative effects from, uh, from yoga? Is it, would it just be the the hydration things or anything else? Um, Any triggers? Honestly, no. Um, at first, okay. uh, when I was going, I still had tremors. Um, and that was something that was a little bit of a trigger for me. Um, I remember mm-hmm. going and I think I was doing, um, like a, I don't know, like an open triangle pose. My hands were like up in the air, like my left hand was up and my left hand's usually my shaky one. And my hand was like shaking, like so much, like a, like a leaf. Um, mm-hmm. and I remember feeling so cognizant of it that I just put my hand in a fist and I was just I was just like, oh, my God, I hope, like, nobody saw that, you know, like, and I, I kept thinking, like, you know, what would they think would, like, would, or is wrong with me, or, like, my mind just kind of kept climbing, climbing, like, going and going, and I was just like, okay, no, like, 
people shake when you're working out, it happens. Uh, That was obviously a lithium thing, but um, people shake when they're working out, especially when you're, you know, all hot and stuff like that. It's normal. I just push it to the side. So I think that was like my only trigger with going. And I think that like maybe at some point I felt, I felt, because I think that when we first get diagnosed, we kind of differentiate ourselves from people, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a way. And I think that we, um, we have heavy, like a heavy focus on that. And I think for myself at some point, just for a little bit, I just felt like I would look at the people in the classes, like other women, other, you know, not other men, but men <laughs> in the class mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and I would just think like, like he probably doesn't have it. She probably doesn't have it. Like, Mm-hmm. just like I'd look at them and like how serene they were and I would I would be serene myself but I would be noticing like how serene people were and just thinking like maybe just assuming their lives are easier you know and we we never know like yeah. bipolar or not or mental illness or not other people have other problems right but um mm-hmm. I just I caught myself kind of going into that mode and quickly stepped out of that as well yeah no, I'm really glad to have you as a guest to kind of get your perspective of somebody who I think previous guests have had bipolar for a couple of years or some things mm-hmm. or kind of battled some some of the some of this um, kind of things early on. So it's really I really appreciate your unique perspective of uh, your journey, like um, like you know six seven months into this, and mm-hmm. I you're just what you kind of said. I <clears throat> I excuse me, I identified with a lot of that as well because I remember when I first got diagnosed is exactly the same feeling, just walking around the streets like I feel like I'm the only one. I feel like I'm alone. Nobody can um, in a way I, I'm different in some of those mm-hmm. things, but um, I, after a while, personally, I feel like it did get better. I was able to kind of build up the courage to kind of maybe talk about it more and right. um, handle it better and just realize like, you know what, everybody does have their problems. Like mm-hmm. that guy might be diabetic or that guy might have uh, a form of cancer. Or that guy might have something else, like another medical condition. We all have medical conditions yeah. and that, and this bipolar just happens to be, to be ours. So, mm-hmm. um, but there's still great, great, great resources out there. There's still an ability, good, good medications, good doctors, good, good things you can put in your toolbox to manage as well and live a, and live a great life and live a highly, like a high level life. So. Mm-hmm, um, sure. have you i know me personally like i had to um i don't know if i told that i think i've shared this on a previous episode but like my previous use i used to dabble with, with drugs and mm-hmm. um, and alcohol and some of those things and there was things mm-hmm. were um got kind of triggering for me in my my first episode when i was 23 when i was in college um yeah. and part of the college life is to be drinking and experimenting and um, I'm not sure if you're, I've been sober for a couple of years now, which has been great. And I noticed like my, my, um, my mental health has gotten a lot better and my symptoms mm-hmm. of bipolar disorder has gotten better. Have, have you kind of uh, had a similar experience in dabbling with sobriety? Um, I would say so. Like I used to, I don't know if I can mention what I used to do. Like, is that okay? Or should I do? Yeah, no. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I used to smoke weed. Um, I used to smoke mm-hmm. a lot of weed. I loved it. I swore by it. Um, mm-hmm. It was something that I did every single night. Like I had to go to bed. Like I, like, like I'm a strain connoisseur. That's how deep it kind of got. Um, and mm-hmm. I still have love for the plant, but I don't smoke it anymore. Um, that was one thing for me that actually triggered my, uh, my psychosis and my, uh, I guess like my first really big episode. Um, I, with alcohol. Oh, and yeah, with alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. I know for me, like even before, like uh, I was diagnosed, alcohol would get me into kind of low, like into like a low mood. Um, and I, I always noticed that I had a friend once that said to me mm, that that means that there's something underlying. And I just kind of, you know, shuffled her off. I was like, mm, whatever, that kind of thing. Alcohol is depressing. It's going to make people feel like that. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I no longer drink either. So like I've been six months, six months, 
January, February, March, April, May, June, July. Yeah, seven months. Seven nice. months. Um, Congratulations. So thank you very much. Um, and it's been, honestly, it's it's been okay. It's been, you know, I, I'm not going to lows because of alcohol. I'm not um, being sent into psychosis because of weed. So for me, mm -hmm. my quality of life is better. Um, I'll have to admit, I did pick up two non-alcoholic beverages from the mall. I, I, I like um, IPAs. Like, I, I just love the flavor. Check with my psychiatrist first, and she said she's okay with it. Um, so I'm going to try those out and see how they do. Um, they're less than 0.5% of alcohol. But um, mm -hmm. besides that, um, I haven't dabbled in anything since, I, I guess, like the beginning of January for me personally. Nice. Yeah. And you've kind of you've kind of noticed it's had an impact in like managing your bipolar disorder. For sure, for sure, um, mm -hmm. definitely without the lows uh, from alcohol and um, without the psychosis. I have a cousin that still um, she still smokes weed and she also mm -hmm. has bipolar one. It's, it's I guess the genes from my dad's side. Um, okay. I don't know why she decides to do that, but she does. Um, yeah. For me, I, I'd rather choose my sanity than. Um, you know, then dabble in something that affects it so prominently. But yeah. um, it's it's been it's been really good without both of them. Mm -hmm. No, I'm happy to hear that, and I uh, encourage you to kind of stay sober as well because my drug of choice was cannabis. I had to. Uh, I was working with a drug counselor a couple years ago when I was had my like my last big episode and. An exercise we did is we had to, I'll never forget this, we had to like write a breakup letter with our drug of choice. And I wrote like, mm -hmm. dear Mary Jane, we had so many good times together. And, you know, mm -hmm. we unfortunately our time has to end now because I have to go move on to uh, the next chapter of my life. But yeah, mm -hmm. I was really heavy into cannabis as well. I was work. I even worked as a bud tender because it was legal in my state here in the mm -hmm. state of Nevada. So I was working at a dispensary and really mm -hmm. all about the culture. Like I was really all about the medical, the medicinal benefits, the the strains. Um, the terpenes, all that kind of yeah. stuff. I was really a, a big connoisseur myself, but it was really difficult to kind of break that up. But I noticed yeah. that for my managing my bipolar, my bipolar disorder, it's just been uh, really the best route to avoid like psychosis and mania and like just changes in moods and things like mm -hmm. that. And I found other forms, like we touched on like exercise and other ways to kind of enjoy myself and get kind of that pleasure. But yeah, especially when you're raised in like, like a culture, whether it's, you know, for, uh, I know it's maybe the Caribbean culture, maybe just the college culture, some of those things where yeah. drug use or cannabis use specifically is more accepted. It's just you're kind of like an outlier, kind of like a stranger at first, but yeah. um, it does kind of get better. So it I'm does. really happy to hear that. Yeah. So I'm really happy to hear that you're kind of staying sober. So um, what strategies have you found maybe most helpful in maintaining your sobriety? Um, honestly, just asserting boundaries with myself. Like I know mm -hmm. already, like if I go out for drinks with uh, my colleagues or with my friends, which kind of seems scarce after you get diagnosed, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, a little bit, the, the good ones, I think it's a it's a really good way of um, filtering out the the riffraff, um, mm -hmm. so to say. But um, I digress. Um, but like if I go out for drinks with my like I said colleagues or like um, my friends or even just by myself, like I know that if I go, I'm having something that's a virgin like a virgin cocktail. Or mm -hmm. if they have virgin bourbon, I'm having virgin bourbon. Like I just know I know what I like um, from what I used to enjoy, and I know that. Um, there are ways to still enjoy what I like, but to get around having alcohol. Um, and then mm -hmm. as far as um, marijuana goes, um, cannabis, pardon me, um, I just I just haven't, for me, it's just a strong boundary right off the bat that like I want to keep my mind. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's just so important to me to be here and to be present. Um, so it's not um, like it's not a, a how do I say like a like a temptation for me. Um, like even I have um, there's somebody well my brother he smoke weed in the house and um, it doesn't like I I'll, I'll smell it you know and I just appreciate the fact that it smells as beautiful as it always has but Mm -hmm. it doesn't make me want to do it. Like, and like you go out and you like smell somebody like driving by in a car next to you or like someone's walking like down the street and you smell it, but it's, Mm -hmm. I don't ever get a pull to, to smoke, to smoke it. Like I even found um, a baggie the other day and it had like a little bit of, a little bit of um, shake left in it. And I was just kind of like, I gave it a good whiff. I was like, the good old days. I said, what is this? Oh, pineapple. Okay. And then I just threw it in the garbage. You know, it's, it's yeah. a choice that you have to make. Um, and I think that I've already made my choice and there's nobody, there's nothing, there's no situation, there's no peer pressure, um, nothing that could make me change my mind. Yeah. No, I'm excited to maybe hear more episodes about that and, and your journey in the next six months. And, um, yeah, it's been great having you on the show and being able to touch on a few things early, early on, like exercise, sobriety, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of the early stages of being diagnosed. So, um, where can maybe people find you and stay connected with you? I know you have your own podcast. I would love to plug that and put that in the show notes, put a clickable link and maybe funnel some people over to enjoy your episodes as well. Awesome. That'd be great. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at imbue by Krista. That's imbue with an E, E-M-B-U-E-B-I-K-R-I-S-T-A. Um, or you can find me at, well, I guess on my podcast and that's imbue podcast again with an E E M B U E podcast on Spotify. And I'm on Apple, I think Apple music is it Apple music. I'm not mm-hmm. with the uh, Apple, Apple podcasts. Yeah. Oh, you go, Apple podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. but that's yeah. where you can find me. And, um, I'm always like one thing that I always tell people and I've told you too, um, mm-hmm. if there's anybody listening that does need to talk to somebody, um, obviously if you have there's something that you're like, you're in crisis, you know, go to your local authorities, go to um, your crisis worker, a crisis worker, uh, go to the hospital. But if anybody needs to talk, you can reach me at those, um, at those um, areas or in those places as well. Yes, so. absolutely. I highly encourage all of my listeners and people who are in the Instagram community just to reach out. Um, it's really a great place to meet people with that's how we connected. And that's how we're just continuing to build our communities and, and build mm-hmm. our network and build our, and kind of keep that in our toolbox. So, Sure. Thank you again for so much for coming on the show today. I look forward to yeah, maybe yeah. connecting again in the future. Yeah, definitely. All the best. And uh, thank you again for having me. <laughs> of course. Of course. All righty, guys, that does it for another episode of the Lifting with Bipolar podcast. We'll catch you next time. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Lifting with Bipolar. Stay connected with me directly through jonathancharco.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at Jonathan Charco. As always, thank you for pushing your mindset and heart towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to please leave a review of the podcast as well as subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, be kind to yourself and each other.